0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not not, really no This is is the best
1: seat in the house. It's got got a
0: runway in the front yard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're in uncontrolled airspace. EAA Radio welcomes back the long running general aviation podcast, Uncontrolled Airspace, to share the microphone for 90 minutes of virtual hangar flying. Now, here are the head, the UCAP gang, editor Jeb Burnside, journalist Dave Higgin, and new media producer, Jack Hodgson. Good
0: morning. Welcome, folks, and welcome to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm coming to you today from one of our favorite places in the world. We are out on the very edge of the flight line at EAA Oshkosh Air Venture 2017. And uh, we're going to be talking to you uh, on our podcast for the next hour and a half or so and uh, give you some uh, some of the sights that we're seeing here from the announcer's stand right here on the uh, edge of the showgrounds. A lot of activity going on right out in front of us. I'm joined uh, here uh, right now by, and for the entire 90 minutes by my two very good friends. First of all, Dave Higgins
3: here. Hi, David. How you doing? I've been having a great week. It's been a great show, and I'm more than just a little bit tuckered. And uh, yeah, I know what you mean.
0: It's uh, you still got all this energy, all this adrenaline, but you know it's starting to slow down a little bit. You know, it's
3: it's. I, I agree completely. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll hit me like a wall once I get back to Wichita. Yeah, it, there you go. Or or on the drive back, hopefully not. But, no, uh, no, we've yeah. AC blasted, uh, the, the ice cubes in my shoes. Uh, That'll keep me awake. Yeah.
0: Our normal cohort here, uh, Jeb Burnside, is uh, not with us this morning. He had to head home early to uh, to uh, complete some work obligations, so uh, he may be listening on the stream. That would be kind of cool, although you never know. It's before noon, and it's totally unpredictable. <laughs> but hi, Jeb, and we miss you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Filling in for uh, Jeb Burnside this morning is another one of my good friends, is James Winbrand. Hi, James. How you doing?
4: I'm doing excellently. It's been such a wonderful week here, and it's such a pleasure to be back here on the stand watching the aircraft go by, taking to the air and reflecting on what a wonderful
0: week we've had. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're going to be here for about an hour and a half. We've got a bunch, uh, handful of other friends who are going to be joining us th- during that time and talking about the week and about aviation in general. Um, it's a beautiful scene out here. I-, I wish I could show it to you all. Um, you could actually go to one of the EA webcams and see it. I don't know whether we're even visible on one of those webcams. We might be. I don't know. That's almost a scary thought. <laughs> but uh, we're out here right on the edge of the flight line. We're actually on the announcer stand. This is where the announcers will call the air show from. And uh, we have uh, all kinds of aircraft to taxiing out in front of us on the taxiway getting ready for departure, and of course airplanes taking off on the two runways. We're looking out here at the 1836 uh, left and right, uh, the uh, the uh, far runway of course being normally a taxiway. and
3: uh, Yeah, they're running operations off 18 left and right today. Yep, they're shooting them off to the south. And, we, uh, we've been here for a few minutes warming up to this, and it's just been non-stop stream of people going out, because yesterday folks hung around when they might have otherwise gone home because the second night air show was last night and it was perfect so yeah yeah this this day definitely is is
0: quieter if you will in terms of number of attendees and airplanes on the site but it's not it's not what it used to be it used to really get quiet on this morning um and and it's not the case at all there's still a lot of things happening here a lot of airplanes to see and uh you know if you're if you're in the neighborhood and you actually haven't been here i can't imagine how that could possibly be but uh come on by for uh for the last day of uh of air venture uh, 2017.
4: i was surprised how full it was early in the week i think they were turning people away as of monday because the field was full and yesterday i was surprised how full the north 40 remained as you were saying people are stuck around and rightly so beautiful weather so much going on the to apollo
0: the night show last night can't blame them for sticking around. Yeah, I haven't heard actually any attendance attendance numbers yet. But my gut feeling from just looking around and seeing uh, people is that it was a very good year. Uh, we, you, know, the, you know, the very unscientific measures are we heard on Twitter, we heard stories about traffic jams trying to get into the parking lot on uh, on uh, Saturday, I believe Friday or Saturday, which the par- their traffic jam part's unfortunate, but it's some indication of there's a big crowd. Uh, they had to create new parking lots. They ran out
4: of parking, so my understanding is they went down, mowed some fields and actually created hundreds of more spots for cars.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. We have the Breitling DC3 out here. Uh, I assume it's a DC3 and not a C47. Um, is running up its engines uh, at the edge of the uh, the uh, flight line here, probably getting ready to taxi out for departure or repositioning of some sort. That's a pretty airplane. I don't know if it is it Breitling or Breitling. It's the Breitling. Breitling. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I don't know if I've ever seen that DC3 before, or at least with that DC3 with that marking before. What's the story? Is it uh, sponsored by, by them? Is I
4: assume that is sponsored by them or are probably, more probably, owned by them. Uh, they had their parachute team here, their uh, divers with the, uh, with the sky suits on coming down uh, during the show. They've had quite a presence here. Of course, uh, they do have the jet team that's made some appearances right. in the U.S. So yep. they're quite active and
0: we welcome them here, obviously. Absolutely. What's that airplane that's behind them? It hasn't started up yet, but that's an interesting-looking airplane—a sort of tail dragger, a large two-engine tail dragger, twin tail kind of thing. That—that's a Howard. A Howard. Okay. It's a—is it—is Does it have a story?
3: It was a uh, developed as a business aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pressurized. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, what uh, is it
0: maybe hold? It looks like it's big enough to hold. Uh,
3: 10, 12, a dozen? 10, 12 people. Yeah, something like that. And finished out for business travel. And uh, uh, quite a remarkable airplane. There weren't many of them built, and, and there aren't many of them flying. And we swung by it a, a few days ago on a walk down toward the ultralights. And it is a big bird when you get up close I bet to it. it
0: is, because it looks pretty big from here. And it's probably... Hundred fifty two hundred yards away, and
3: uh, yeah, it's not as big as a DC three, uh, and significantly bigger than a Twin Beach. Yeah, so,
0: so we're uh, yeah we're seeing a lot of airplanes out here. Let's see if I can, David, name air, listen go down the string here. And name these airplanes. Start with the uh, the uh, um, Stearman, I guess it is. See, this is the yellow Stearman. Oh wow, well, you got, got a Stearman. Stearman
3: uh, behind the sign. Is that a Craft or a Cub or it, something like that? Or I believe it's a T craft. Okay. Uh, got what looks like a twin comanche a v-tail bonanza you jump across there's another v-tail bonanza air coupe there's an air coupe of uh, 170 170 uh, what's that
0: little one that's kind of cute <laughs> sorry <I'm,
3: laughs> whoever I'm, I'm owns that i hope I'm you didn't st- hear me say that huh? i'm stumped on that one i'm stumped on that one it
0: looks very it's very small tail dragger low wing uh almost certainly a home mm-hmm. built of some sort well, it looks sort of like a swift well yeah but it's not a swift it's way too small to be a Swift. It may be, you know, Im- you know, uh, 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 inspired by a Swift, but uh, and uh, that Breitling uh, uh, DC3 is now starting to roll and uh, taxing out. They've broken a big hole. So it, it typically, uh, even this hour in the morning, there's a lot of people sitting in their lawn chairs right out at the edge of the flight line, and they had to open up, push them to one side and the other in order to make a, a safe passage for the uh, dc3 to taxi out there
4: and we saw matt yunkin uh depart we saw the aeroshell team uh leave they put on a wonderful show last
0: night Mm -hmm. have they left for for the year or they just gone out and practice and and do flights
4: i'm i'm not sure to tell you the truth Uh they could be doing anything out there and i hope they're coming back
0: we're not seeing any right now but we definitely have seen some uh uh, larger aircraft i've seen a number of uh, b-25s have taken off and the uh the uh, tri-motor is uh, is wandering around here probably giving rides so uh, yeah a lot going on here this
3: morning so the uh, north 40 campground was full early they had a south 40 campground uh where i understand people from bondalock were trying to collect parking fees but it wasn't quite that far <laughs> south uh campgrounds went farther south than i've ever seen it they uh had two great night air shows the uh the programs were running non-stop uh, we had a boatload of bombers here's how's that oh, for a little alliteration that was
0: uh yeah a boatload of bombers that was and we're gonna dive into that a little bit deeper as the as the hour and a half wears on but uh we uh the, the bomber day uh, thing yesterday afternoon was was really spectacular uh, to see a b2
4: a b1 and a b52 flying together in formation
0: that is followed by a pair unusual. followed by a pair of b-29s mm-hmm. followed by a whole flock of b-25s it was it was quite a thing so anyways and the blue Angels, and the blue angels <laughs> and yeah it's you know it's an interesting week uh year rather a week this year and uh, a lot lot happened and uh, and it's not done yet really. no
3: the ultralight area was busy every evening after the uh, daily air show it was busy all morning and into the early afternoon before the afternoon air show uh Good crowd of exhibitors down there. Uh, a couple of new planes. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it it it's just been a really yeah. good show. Ultralight
0: area is interesting because it's not it's not exclusively the ultralight area anymore, and uh, well, it no, has we, a, it has a great yeah. showing
3: of ultralight still. Yeah, we call it the light the ultralight area out of habit because that's how it started. But it's now you see some light sport, you see some experimental. They got powered parachutes. They've got powered paragliders. Uh, really interesting action there with some beautiful old antique ultralights in there yesterday evening. Quicksilver, a Casper wing. Uh, hadn't seen a Casper wing in in years. And right
4: behind you, Dave. Now we see Doc,
0: beautiful oh, Doc being pulled out. Doc's being towed out uh, from the west ramp, and uh, so that's great. What we're a gonna sight. We're gonna get to see Doc uh, start up and and uh, take off here. That'll that's. Okay, that's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to like that. Like Among yes. other interesting Stan Lee showed up this week.
4: Marvel Comics creator, Stan Lee. Uh, yeah, showed. a little bit...
0: Yeah. Okay. He and I'm I'm a Marvel guy, so I was pretty excited by yes. that. Um, it, it's it, a little. Some people were a little surprised that uh, he uh, um, appeared at an aviation show. Apparently, he's involved with a charity that is has a connection to aviation, and he's also introduced this new new comic character, right? I, he has, and I'm sure
4: Avior, and I'm sure we'll have a chance yeah. to talk a little bit more about that is uh, in the show, yeah, or something, or not?
0: Is the case? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I love Stanley. He's awesome. Uh, right. he was but this character, character doesn't yeah. really turn me on. We'll see. I don't know. Time. <laughs> will tell time will tell anyways we got to take a break in just a couple seconds here but uh, you know it's uh, it's just a beautiful morning out here and uh, we uh, are watching the airplanes and, and and getting ready to chat with some friends uh, we're going to be back in uh, a few minutes to uh, m- meet with and talk with our first guest this morning um, but in the meantime what do we got here there. I know. We got uh, a UCAP listener, Ken Viard, uh, is uh, taxiing out now for his uh, departure. And uh, I was, for some reason, I was expecting a yellow airplane. I guess it's... Red Wings, yeah, okay. And here is
4: Fifi coming overhead, I Fifi's believe. Fifi's
0: flying over. Ken is taking off, to giving a ride home to uh, our good friend Brad uh, Marzari, uh, launch pad. And so uh, they're taxiing by. I think they're waving crazily, but uh, uh, anyways. Hey, listen, we've got to take a break now. Uh, we will be back, and be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio.
2: I'm Frank Borman. I commanded Gemini 7 and Apollo 8. I'm Jim Lovell, commander of Apollo 13. I'm Al Worden, command module pilot on Apollo 15. And you're, you're listening, are listening to EAA Radio. Radio.
5: Dave Higdon has realized his friends aren't being honest with him. Him talking about himself was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio.
0: Welcome back, folks. David, I'm not sure who it was you were talking about. You were, I, I
3: yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's what you call a bumper, That's huh? a bumper. You know, the radio industry, the, they call those bumpers, and, uh... And I thought bumpers were just these little kiddie cars that I drove around <laughs> when I was doing amusement. Parks Mike as warned a kid. us.
0: Mike warned us that he created a whole new batch of those to uh, torment us with. So uh, we're going to get to hear a couple of those uh, as the morning progresses. Hey, uh, we're back. We're joined uh, with uh, a good friend of ours, a good, fr- uh, a longtime friend of, of Dave and Jeb's, and a uh, somewhat new friend of mine, but uh, and a friend of the podcast. Um, Rick Perry is here. Hi, Rick. How you doing? Hey, good morning. Very well. Rick is the uh, vice president uh, for government and industry affairs at the. Aircraft Electronics Association, uh, yep. which uh, Dave and Jeb do a lot of work with and for. And, uh, um, and, uh, and you know, they stay in touch and, and keep their eyes on what's going on with the industry.
3: Getting in thrilled for the relationship. And Rick had a big hand in getting me in the door for this. So I'm not sure I ever bought him the beer that was supposed to go with that. But eh, we've had a few. <laughs> Before his visit's out, maybe we'll get him talking about flying. But
0: he wanted to stop by and chat with us about a subject that's kind of important to all of us these days. And that is the whole, I'll, I'll call it a battle, a battle to oppose uh, uh, ATC privatization. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, give us your thoughts on
2: this, yours and or the associations. Well, uh, the association, is, as well as my own, is pretty much aligned with it. Um, you know, we all recognize the need for modernization. Uh, there's a difference between the two. Uh, we don't support the privatization. And, and there's a number of, of political reasons why we don't do it, both uh, immediate and, and kind of out on the radar screen even parts of it that you know, we're a little concerned about how it looks five, ten years from now. But what I, what I really, you know, I'm, I'm a mechanic. And, uh, uh, you know, your, your audience are uh, mechanics and engineers and home builders and, and uh, very practical people okay and so i I like to approach the privatization from a practical perspective okay you know you come to me with your airplane it's not working right i'm going to troubleshoot it i'm going to find the root cause and hopefully i'm going to fix the root cause we're not hearing that right now we're hearing this grandiose oh it's not running right so let's go buy a new one Mm -hmm. well that's not logical you know, when you look at things, you know the administrator the other day was talking about their need for long-term funding, and and I appreciate that. I, you know, we've been fighting the next gen and the ADSB battle for a long time. You know, last month, um, only because we're at the beginning of August or almost at the beginning of August. But I guess this month, you know, the Navy completed a ten-year project by launching the USS Gerald Ford. Mm-hmm. A thirteen. 13- billion dollar project. Well, if the Department of Navy can have that kind of a funding tool, then clearly Congress can give that kind of a funding tool to the FAA. Mm-hmm. So this argument that, oh my you know, we we have to privatize to fix this problem, I don't buy it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. Sure. You know, you talk about efficiency and about 10 years ago, well, 8 years ago or so, uh, Randy Babbitt, when he was administrator, came to the AEA convention and, and gave the opening speech. And, and he was talking about the efficiency of air traffic. And he, he kind of made a lot of points that resonated with me. And if you go back into the archives with AEA and Avionics News Magazine, I followed up with an article on it. But he was talking about, you know, whose problem is it? And I, I left the convention that year and I was coming back to Washington through Atlanta. And it was resonating with me. And so I looked at the departure board. And I counted over 30 flights departing within a 10-minute window. Mm-hmm. And, and as I'm looking at the departure board, I'm listening to Randy in, in my psyche going, whose problem is this? ATC's not scheduling these flights. Mm-hmm. When you look at that departure board, that's not ATC. That's the airlines. hmm And so we get in the airplane, I'm getting on the flight, I'm in a 30-airplane queue, waiting for takeoff. And what does the pilot do? He comes on and tells us about how we're delayed because of ATC procedures. He didn't say anything about the fact that the airplane scheduled 30 departures Mm -hmm. in a 10-minute window. Yep. Well, so if, in fact, this is the efficiency they're talking about, are they going to cut down the time between departures, which has been developed for safety reasons mm-hmm. is it going to reschedule things are we going to have small airplanes taken off too close between behind large airplanes those things are safety things yeah you know and then you look at next gen next gen's classic next gen is you know it's this magical word but all it is is modernization of communication navigation surveillance that's all it is it's nothing fancy We did communication. When I started flying, I was flying a 360 channel radio. We went to 720, 720 to 760. Just modernization. Navigation, we introduced GPS. It was introduced in the late 70s, mass marketed, mid 80s. Surveillance, that's the piece we're working on now. That's the ADSB mandate, right? We're all investing. We've been talking to people all week. And what do we have? The only sector, of the aviation industry who can't modernize surveillance is the airlines. Mm-hmm.
4: They could, couldn't they?
2: They have a waiver.
4: But I mean if they wanted, they're complaining about this, but it sounds like they're the ones that are dragging
2: their heels. Absolutely. And they've had this is a 10 year rule. Yeah. They've had 10 years. But they couldn't get it into the maintenance cycle for the airplanes. And so their their GPS source is the one that's delayed. So when you look at this, you know, my questions are, as a mechanic, what exactly is broken? What exactly is the best resolution to the problem? And if, if, I want you to think about this, if privatization is the best option, which government corporation will be the model of efficiency? (laughs) <laughs> the U.S. Postal yeah, okay. Service <laughs> or Amtrak.
0: Yeah, exactly. There you go.
2: Neither one of them fulfilled Congress's promise when they privatized them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is is that, you know, if you ask the questions, you don't get the right answers. I'm a mechanic. I troubleshoot problems. That's what I do. All we do is use standard troubleshooting procedures here. Find a root cause, and then determine if the answer is the right solution. Yeah.
3: I, yeah, the runway scheduling, uh, airline scheduling, has been a cumulative problem since private uh, since deregulation, when they started to move to the hub and spoke system. Yes. Because the idea is you bring people in from all these points to a central location; they change planes, go back out again. But then we have this thing called runway acceptance rate. How many airplanes you can put on a runway in an hour. And that, Rick said, the separation standards for that are developed to avoid weight turbulence problem. Then you got the airport arrival rate, which is a cumulative number of all the runways they've got. The airlines schedule far in excess of those. So an hour into the day, they're rolling. The second hour, things start to get a little bit behind. The third hour, they're a little farther behind. The fifth hour, they're a little farther behind that. And they blame ATC for the problem that they created and then want to take over our air traffic control system as a solution, and it makes no sense. It also makes no business sense because if you look at what it costs to operate the ATC system, it's like Euro control. It's multiple times more expensive than what it costs to operate ours. A lot of that just on the basis of assessing the fees, collecting the fees, and counting right, for the right, fees. Yeah.
0: You know, and I think it's, it's very, very valuable to understand the details of why it's a bad idea. But to a certain extent, we here are preaching to the choir, right? Most everybody who's going to listen to our podcast, I think probably most everybody in general aviation thinks this is a bad idea and opposes it the question then becomes, what do we do? Right. How, in, in your view, Rick, what's the, the, a, a good way to try and direct this whole thing in, in a better direction?
2: Well, first of all, you have to communicate with your elected officials, okay? You can't go, oh, somebody else is going to do that for me, or your association is going to do that for you, or, or you know, mm-hmm. oh, I've got people in Washington doing that. No, Go down and physically visit the local offices of your representatives, your congressmen, your senators. Make the phone calls to Washington, okay? One of the big things here, I'm, I'm a big fan of things that aren't inherently governmental not mm-hmm. being governmental, okay? Right. okay. This is inherently governmental. It affects every citizen. We talk about, oh, well, it's about the passenger. You know what? It's not the passenger. It's the Amazon delivery. It's the flowers for Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. It's the medical supplies. It affects every single citizen, and the bottom line is: prices go up when efficiency goes down. Yep. Yeah. So.
4: And it's that's, not about the passenger from the airline's perspective, from when I've had to sit in their seats. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah.
0: That's great information, Rick. Thank you.
3: Appreciate it. And uh, and you know your your voice. Well, there's attitude. been a solution to the main complaint. Oh, we need. Congress just doesn't take care of funding properly. If they just dedicate the Airport Airways Trust Fund to the FAA's use and not meddle in that, that would streamline the funding a whole lot and eliminate a lot of the problems of waiting on Congress yeah, to yeah. appropriate.
0: Hey, Rick, can you stick around for a little bit longer? There's a couple of the subjects I think we'd love to chat with you about and uh, and uh, catch up on a few things. Um, I, I heard from Jeb. Uh, Jeb sent me a text and uh, he's he's in Florida. He arrived home <laughs> wow. uh, during the night and uh, he's uh, he's. I don't know if he's actually listening to us, but he did send me a text. So, hi, Jeb. How you doing? <laughs> um, is uh, It continues to be a happening place out here on the flight line. The uh, AeroShell uh, uh, Honda aeroshell T6s taxied in and parked out in front of us while we were talking. Uh, 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 Doc, the uh, B29 is still sitting on the uh, taxiway here, probably preparing for engine start. Tri
4: motor uh, coming in for land. Tri
0: motors coming and going. There's just oh here it is coming, just hem- coming in and touching down almost right in front of us. That's pretty cool, and uh, just a lot of great activity going here. We're going to come back in a few minutes, continue talking with Rick about uh, some other subjects, and uh, and and then be joined by some other friends. So you are listening to a very special episode of Uncon- Controlled airspace on EAA Radio.
5: You're tuned to EAA Radio, 965 FM, 1210 AM, and
2: online at EAA Psychologists say that an aviator's obsession with tip tanks may go back to early childhood experiences.
5: It had a teddy bear strapped in the front seat.
2: Back to uncontrolled airspace on EAA Radio. <sighs>
5: Okay,
0: now I hope Jeb's not listening, all right, because that was... (laughs) Did you hear that one? Uh Uh-uh. Apparently, apparently Jeb's uh, reliance on tip tanks is associated with the fact that he had a teddy bear in the airplane when when he was a child. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of remember him telling us that story, actually. So... Hey, we're Jeb, back. how you doing? We need to give Jeb, we're still working on Jeb's uh, EAA Radio name, all right? Now that Jeb is sort of a semi-regular on EAA Radio, uh, they all have to have names. I'm actually told that they don't have to have names anymore, all right? That that was a thing that they that EAA Radio used to do in the past, but I'm, I'm sticking my story that we need to give Jeb a, a silly radio name, you know, like Stuck Mike or
3: uh,
0: Rotor Joe or something like that, you know? So uh, anyways, on. <laughs> That's Jim uh, G. Just wandered right up and said, hey, hi, how you doing? Are you on a break? No, we're not on a break. Anyways. Um, say what, James? you got to talk into the microphone, then I can hear you. There you go. Well, I was just suggesting Deb Jeb for Deb. Jeb. Oh, Deb Jeb. Deb Jeb, I like that. Our friends, uh, our friends Ken and Brad are on the takeoff roll right now, right in front of us. There they go. Everybody wave. I'm sure they're not paying any attention to us at all.
3: Yeah. There they go. Um, he was going away, but there's not a passenger side window on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Rick Perry,
0: the Aircraft Electronics Association, is still with us. And uh, what else is going on? This is first of all, let me. And I know we want to talk a little bit about uh, new or, or recent regulation being a boon for the development of new electronics project products. Is that a fair statement? No. No? No. Okay. (laughs) But I'll get to that. All right. Let me ask you this question first. I want to not you, but but what kind of flying do you do? Let's talk about that for a second. It is hangar flying, after all. Well, it's uh, basically rent up.
2: uh, uh, I rent right now um, and uh, just fly up and down the Chesapeake and go for a $100 hamburger and uh, you'll see what's there. I've got a little grass strip down in in, uh, Northern Neck, Virginia. uh, I've got a hangar on, and uh, that's where my project is. And so I go down there for weekends, but I rent out of uh, Easton and fly up and down. Used to used to rent out of uh, Bay Bridge and been there a few times. Uh-huh. Okay. Nice and airport. Nice airport. It's really a lot of fun. hmm
0: um, what are you? You're building something. What are you building?
2: Oh, uh, well, I'm rebuilding. Uh-huh. Long-term project. That's fine. I got a '59 172. Uh, okay. That's ah. uh, stripped down, nose to tail, complete uh, re- redo. I've put it together and torn it down twice now, all and right. so this last time I decided <laughs> to actually redo all the wiring and redo everything else, and, you know, so it's one of these projects that went down for a small maintenance issue, like an engine overhaul, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh, has just been a, 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 a an extended project, but as a mechanic, I'm a mechanic who has a pilot's license, uh-huh. so okay. I get as much joy out of mechanicking uh, sure, yeah. as most pilots who have a mechanic's license get out of flying, there you, you know? Go. Yep. So...
0: Um, the uh, uh, we, we, We're seeing Doc's props turning slowly. I don't know if that's some pr- sort of preparation for engine start. Do either of you, any of you guys know a little bit more about how uh, the uh, operation, what's the engine start checklist on a on a B-29? It's long. Yeah, yeah I would imagine uh, it is. Yeah, now it now looks like they're actually cranking yeah, the one of them. the uh, inboard starboard motor is being cranked. Yeah, so I'm not sure if we'll hear that from from on the on the microphone, but uh, it's going to be a spectacle to see here.
4: And uh, no start cart; they can do it all apparently internally. Oh,
0: that's true. That's true. Look at this. So a lot of smoke. It's oh, it's oh. oh, oh I think
4: yep. I
2: can. I think I can. Not this time. Um, so well, with the, with the round motors they they turn it over to make sure they don't have hydraulic lock in the bottom cylinders. okay, and yep. uh, you know have to clean it out a little bit before they they crank it up. yeah, but it's pretty yeah, normal stuff for round motor. I would
3: imagine hydraulic lock's kind of tough on connecting yep. rods.
2: yeah, it's real tough. yeah.
3: they do have a spotter
0: standing right out in front of that prop, which is uh, i'm I'm sure a very useful and necessary job. Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't mind that job. That must be a really fascinating place to stand <laughs> oh, yeah. during this process. But pay attention. There, there you go. Pay attention. There we go. looks like it In caught this running. time. It caught this time. There yep. we go.
2: Excellent. Very so cool. S- very
3: cool. So, Rick, we've seen the rewrite of Part 23. Yep. And we're seeing a whole new attitude from the FAA about avionics. It, 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 yeah. Everything.
2: everything. Not just avionics.
3: Tell us what that means. How? Okay. W- what? What's been the change there that brought this about?
2: Well, first, first of all, you know, for for uh, for the folks that didn't make it to Oshkosh or to Oshkosh this year, their venture, you know, shame on them because this is the most exciting year we've had in four or five years for new products and new 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 stuff being out there because it's just fun. It's a fun year, but there's a lot of misnomers as Jack was talking about. You know. Everybody everybody I talk to says, oh, what about this non-certified stuff going in airplanes? It's a misnomer. It's all certified. Okay? It's not uncertified equipment. Some of it's been certified by STC. Most of it's being certified by PMA. Some of it's being certified as NORSEA. But it's all approved parts. So it's not like, you know, I'm going down and taking the stuff off my experimental airplane and putting it on my certified airplane. That's not what's happening. Okay? The other thing to realize is as you kind of implied that you know what changed what are the rule changes we got a 23 rewrite 23 rewrite isn't effective for 30 days it's not effective till the end of august so there's been no rule change none it's attitude so if you look at the 10 years we worked on the part 23 rewrite we really went in and it was the safety continuum. And that's what we were trying to capture. We were trying to capture, you know, 40 years ago, when we certified things, we certified them from the top down. So it was, you know, because everything came out of the airline world. So all the guidance, all the policy, all this, the, 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 the instructions we had were top-down certification. So when I'm looking for parts for my 172, they've been certified through a Boeing well maybe that's a little overkill and so the safety continuum that you hear the F.A. talk about is a bottom up certification it's bringing it you know stuff out of sometimes experimental sometimes light sport sometimes from commercial sources and do doing a bottom up certification applicable to the aircraft you're looking for okay now That's not an apples to apples comparison. Everybody goes, oh, hey, look at this new world. You know, we got all, no, it's not exactly right because it's a bottom-up certification. It comes with baggage. It has limitations that the top-down certification didn't have. It has applicability, specific applicability. So, you know, you see something that was approved such as last year, we saw products that were approved as a direct replacement for vacuum-driven attitude indicators, okay? If you didn't have a vacuum-driven uh, attitude indicator, the limitation of that product prohibited you from installing it under that process. Doesn't mean it's not a bad thing. You could STC it or something. But it, it, it came differently, and so it's it is a new world. What's different? It's the safety continuum. It's the bottom-up, where applicable, Versus the top down, but there's no free lunch, and that's the big the big thing that I really wanted to talk about yeah. was because it places much more burden on the buyer. You know the old the old adage yeah. you know buyer beware. Well, it puts burden on the buyer to make sure they know what they're buying and they know the limitation. Every one of these things has limitations to them. Maybe may applicability. They may be maintenance limitations. That first generation got it first generation um 18 months ago severe maintenance limitations that nobody even talked about Uh uh-huh you know um very narrow applicability what sort of maintenance limitations well when you look at part 43 commercial parts don't get the benefit of part 43 so if it's not in the ICA that as a mechanic I can do it it can't be done you know, we, 43 specifies who can perform maintenance, and if I don't have a production approval, if I don't have a quality system, I can't do manufacturer's maintenance. So, Norsey products as well as Commercial Park products fall outside sure. of the authority of 43. Sure. So, it's, what? I'm sorry, I know, but
0: quickly, we're kind of running yeah. out of time, and I do have a question. So, uh, what's a, what a what's a good way for a buyer to beware? All right. Like for example, clearly have more serious conversations with the manufacturers and with the dealers. Does the association provide any resources that
2: people can rely on to uh, learn about this stuff? We certainly do. We're more than happy to answer any questions we've got. Yep. And you know, we're real excited about these new, these new generation of products. And so we're not against them at all. We do point out that TSO products are valuable and have a value as a top-down approach. The bottom-up approaches are great because they're introducing new technologies, but it requires the education. Now, we've got the internet and a lot of people do a lot of work. A lot of the blogs will tell you, oh, hey, I installed this in this airplane. I can go, hey, you ought to put it in yours. Yeah. Well, the blogs are random people saying whatever they want to say. Right. They need to do their homework. They need to look at the documentation. They need to read the limitations. And they need to take it to the shop and say, hey, if I buy this, what are the continued airworthiness limitations of this? Yeah.
0: How can people learn more about the Aircraft Electronics Association and the services
2: that it offers? Well, you can go to our website, AEA.net. And in fact, uh, to promote these new technologies, on August 16th, we're actually hosting the first annual uh, technology incubator uh, for new startups. And so we're real excited about that. That's great. This is the kind of stuff we do. Get on our mailing list. Get on our email list so we can keep you abreast of what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Rick Perry, for
0: taking some time and talking with us this morning. It's very all very interesting stuff, and uh, um, it, it'll help us along. we got to take a break here. Um, all four engines of uh, Dock are spinning now, are running, and uh, looks like they're going to be taxiing pretty soon. Hopefully uh, they won't take off before we come back from the break because I would love to be able to tell you folks what that looks like because I bet it's going to look very cool. Having that B 29 take off right in front of us. Uh, the uh, smaller aircraft continue to taxi by us on, for their departure on the various runways, and it continues to be a beautiful day here at Oshkosh Air Venture 2017. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. I'm Frank Borman. I command Gemini 7 and Apollo 8, and you are listening to EAA Radio.
5: For some reason, Dave Higdon thinks that Jack Hodgson is a technology junkie. I mean, this is the guy that goes to sleep with his iPad mini on the pillow next to (laughs) it. Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. I think we need to get this Mike Morgan guy
0: where we can have a talk. There he is right there. (laughs) The responsible party is present. Thank you for, uh, well, I don't know whether to thank you. Yes, I'm going to thank you for producing those, but... uh, we got to have a talk, but we got to not say so many revealing things on the podcast. Would these be rubber
3: radio buggy bumpers?
0: They
5: are. He's tickled
3: by the term bumper here.
0: They're
5: rubber, and they're flexible because we change them out based on what out-of-context things you say off-season that I can bring into a whole different context on That's my game. Watch your words. Welcome, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm delighted to be here as part of the... Uh, ucap airCAV not as part of the EA radio right now that 's right you are you are airCAv now so uh,
0: but but you have spent the week as a as a member of the EA radio team and uh, uh, have gotten some interesting perspective on the show. Uh, we were chatting last night about some of the things you 've done you got up close and personal with some astronauts i did um, and uh, and I know you were some of that was off the record but uh, it, it, what, was, it, what was the feeling like are these are these like
5: are these people larger than life, or are they regular guys, or what's the story? Well, that's exactly the thing that I was thinking. These are, you know, these are regular guys who, you know, for whom 50 years has transpired since the first Apollo flight, and uh, you know they've had fairly complete lives in corporate America, in aviation and a whole bunch of other things. And so to watch them get together again and talk about grandkids and vacations and what airplane did you fly? Frank Borman bought a T-34 just a couple of years ago, a beautifully restored aircraft, which he flew here. And so we did an interview standing in front of his airplane and he's kind of philosophical about this. He says, you know, I don't look too hard into the past and I don't really live in the past. Uh, and he's done a lot of interesting things, you know, in the here and now. So, so you asked me what my impression is about this. You have already talked in, the, in this hour about Epic. There's a lot of epic here, right? Yeah. So between the tribute to Apollo and between the the Bomber Day and everything that we've seen, it's just hard not to think, oh, that's epic. Oh, yeah, that's epic. So, it really is epic. Speaking of epic,
0: the uh, uh, dock, the B-29, is now taxiing out. It's about to back taxi on, uh, on 1-8 and uh, presumably down to get in position for for takeoff uh, in just a few minutes. Some of my
3: friends and former colleagues from back in Wichita came up on the on Oh, really? Dock. Yeah. Yeah. I don't usually. Clearly, you're not buying drinks for the right people over there. Yeah, I don't usually get airplane envy at that level, but uh huh. Um, Now
0: I had a question. I've lost it. What was it? Anyways, it's uh, so epic. Oh, speaking of epic, so epic. um, And combining epic with just regular guys, there's a picture that 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 won the internet the other day uh, from here of uh, of uh, Buzz Aldrin and Stan Lee sitting at a table having breakfast together all yeah. right, and and uh, that's just a, a combination made in heaven or or or, or the marvel cinematic universe one or the other but uh,
5: yeah so that's so here's my closeout on epic yeah we have what we have here in eaa largely because of things of epic proportions it was you know existential threat to the united states to the free world in the 40s led to people like paul uh, the, the combination of skills and abilities that they have, which led to EA, EAA. We have Apollo because it was believed an existential threat existed, right? Okay. So, so this is all the result of EPIC. Astronaut Walt Cunningham, uh, Cunningham from Apollo 7 said, you know, things are different now. People don't take risks anymore. So, I, So I kind of wonder, the next big leap that we're gonna probably see, which I'm gonna project is urban aerial transport. Electric urban aerial transportation. All right, that's interesting. All right, yes. That's the next big thing we're going to see. That's not a result of an existential threat. That's a result of a technology evolution. It's these existential threats that have pushed us to have these great things. What's the next push for the next great thing? That's what I'm going to be looking at that's probably very, in, the, in the last chapter of That is very my interesting. Life. That is very interesting. You also got on board a uh, spaceship. I did. yes. Yeah, so Blue Origin has both an actual flight booster and a mock-up of their six-person suborbital space capsule that they want to start giving rides on in two years. Yeah. So they have a thing which I think is a combination of a departure briefing and a Disney ride. <laughs> which is here <laughs> yeah, and it takes you through the f- flight profile to kind of get you juiced up and maybe ready to put a deposit down
0: Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you any second now because it appears that uh, that Doc may be about to begin uh, his takeoff role and uh, Fifi, Fifi it's is coming over is Fifi flying overhead? Oh yeah, Fifi's way overhead, uh, passing south to north. Um, and in the meantime, Doc is in position. Uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me, lined up and waiting uh, at the uh, at the. Uh, uh, actually down beyond
3: the numbers for attack for runway 18 Well, when uh, you got big double row engines with as much yeah. oil as in is th- as, as, as in the uh, power plants yeah. on the B29 yeah. even on a hot day it takes a while to get looks everything like, warmed up looks like
0: maybe they're not going to le- they're not going to clear dock just yet because they're still letting uh, a smaller aircraft out onto 18 at the blue dot and uh, and departing them so we'll, uh, we'll
5: we'll know when there's nothing
3: in front
0: of yeah,
5: it yeah. Spe- speaking of the big guys holding for the little guys on Sunday, there was a, um, uh, a Black Hawk coming in at the same time the Bonanzas mass arrival was happening. Uh huh. And so the, the, uh, not, not Black Hawk, Chinook. So the Chinook was, uh, east of. Chinook being the big dual rotor helicopter, heavy lift helicopter. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it was hovering, you know, stuck at a point in space over east of 1836 while all the Bonanzas were coming in. I was listening to, uh, uh, Airband Radio right then, and they were having a nice chat, and there didn't seem to be any problem. So, you know, you talked about uh, airspace, sharing airspace earlier today, just sitting there while the Bonanzas were coming in. Yeah. Playing
0: nice. But the interesting thing is, you kind of see that all the time at, at AirVenture. Yeah. Right? It's like the the, uh, the the variety of aircraft that share this airspace is, is somewhat mind-boggling, you know. When you think about the weight shift you know, power.
6: You know, uh, ultralighters, hang, gliders, hang gliders, trikes,
0: powered parachutes, yeah. and then you see the everyday GA aircraft. And you see, here's a SkyMaster, e kind of, you know, push me, pull you aircraft taken off right in front of us. Uh, and Cessna the, SkyMaster. I think yes. I think I said SkyMaster, but maybe not. Um, and we're kind of stretching here a little bit because we were hoping to see Fifi take off, Correction Dock take off before the uh, before the break. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Mike, talking about uh, visiting the. Uh, was there more to the story about visiting the? No,
5: no, the, it, uh, it was it was pretty exciting. Wh-
0: wh- what else? Who else? did you talk to? Anybody else particularly interesting this this uh, week?
5: Yeah, I talked to a company that uh, is a distributor of a of a new engine made in uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, the, the engine's called the D-Motor, and it's a four-cylinder flathead that's aimed at the Rotax market. Uh, and that's going to start uh, arriving next year. And, and the gentleman that I spoke with said, you know, the market really does need a competitor to the Rotax 912-914. You said flathead engine? Yeah, flathead with an 8-to-1 compression ratio. It, so it's a side balance. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, 8-to-1 compression ratio. Sorry. Eight to one, the compression ratio, so it can, you know, it can actually power an airplane.
3: I just, it, it's been so long since I've heard of anybody making a new side valve engine. Yep. As opposed, you know, what, what we were seeing being played with here a couple of years ago was uh, folks trying to get aircraft engines with overhead cams. Yeah. And uh, it, it, there's some power and acceleration benefits to it but i'm not sure that there's that big of a weight benefit to it by the time you throw in the mechanism it takes to drive the cams and multi-cylinder engin- or multi-valve engines like the hks they've advanced the state so four valve engine mm-hmm.
5: uh, four valve per cylinder yeah. on that so i'm not an engine guy but it was interesting to hear him say that uh, th- there needs to be uh, a competitor in that space in the eab uh, you know, for EAB applications. Oh, we wish him luck. Look, yeah, yeah. Look absolutely. forward to seeing it
3: flying in something.
0: How about you personally, Mike? Do you buy any cool gadgets here this week? Did you, uh, uh, what, what have you seen that you yeah, didn't talk so, about on the radio? So uh, you I, talk I, about
5: the radio now but not? I now own a drone. It was a birthday present for me this year. Oh, okay. Ah. Uh, so I'm now flying a little quadcopter around my neighborhood, and my grandchildren are so excited. So I bought one of these uh, four-foot wingspan uh styrofoam gliders that just wants to fly you can throw it really poorly and it the way it's weighted it just wants to fly yep uh-huh. so for my grandkids i think that is that one of those
0: loop to loop things that i saw or something else That's no no a, it's a straight line yeah. it's, it's just a glider which it got really quiet here at air Venture. i think something's about to happen they've stopped the the departures uh, yeah they've cleared, cleared out the queue, the queue. they're not letting it well i oh, don't know someone's turning now maybe we they are going to let somebody else we don't the know there's t- yeah so uh Anyways, um, we're reaching we're reaching the end of our allotted time for this particular segment, and uh, we're going to have to take a break. Hopefully, uh, uh, Doc will hold off for us here. Um, so let's get this break started now. Maybe we'll be back in time to uh, to tell you about uh, Doc taking off. Uh, in the meantime, you are listening to a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. 96.5 FM,
2: 1210 AM, and online at eaaradio.net.
0: Hi, this is Jack, talking to you from after we finished recording this episode. Well as luck would have it, they released Doc for Takeoff just moments after we began this break, and so we weren't able to describe it for you live on the podcast. We will be talking about the Takeoff for a few seconds uh, when we come back from the break, but I did shoot some video from the announcer stand of Doc's Takeoff on this Sunday morning, and I've posted it on my YouTube channel. If you're interested in seeing what Doc's takeoff looked like that morning, and hearing the great sounds from those four engines, you can go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com user slash jackhodgson, and we'll also put a link to this in the show notes. Sorry for the bad timing, but I guess that's live radio
5: think Jack Hodgson may be struggling with relationships in the 21st century? Exactly how do I go about consenting under these new rules? Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alright. It's a brand new kind of sensibility on the side. We got Jeb and his teddy bear and uh, we got me. Oh no, we don't want to even talk. (laughs) I don't even go in there. The joke could go bad. So quickly, welcome back. We're uh, this is uncontrolled airspace at uh, uh, AirVenture 2017 on EA Radio. Uh, we're having a great time, but we timed that break exactly wrong. All right, I mean we just could not have timed it better if we wanted to time it wrong, because seconds after we went into the break, uh, Doc uh, finally got the clearance to roll and started rolling down the runway. It was quite a sight. Uh, rolled down the runway right in front of us, uh, lifted off uh, actually beyond us. I was a little surprised. Uh, Doc has, I guess it makes sense has a pretty long takeoff role yeah and, uh,
3: so uh, and, and she and she's light yeah, yeah she's exactly. not carrying yeah. fuel to go from tinny into japan and back with a bomb and, and on with board. a bomb load so yeah.
0: now see that's interesting what you just did because i i kind of made a I i made a, a choice as they say in acting um i decided that i was going to call daka he all right, because Doc is the character he, is a well, male true. character. He's, he's, so it's part a, part but a but normally we call airplanes like Snow White and seven but, yeah. Dwarfs, yeah. But. So, uh, so the Seven Yeah, so the next B-29 we'll name Snow White and we'll call her a her. But Doc is a he, I think. Right? Don't you agree? I've always called them all she's. Uh, but then, well, okay, I guess we are in a transgender
3: age these days, all right? Transgender reaches... It's. Fa- You're not going to say things about Doc's preferences, are you? I,
0: I, I, you the know, character, not I, the. Airplane. I think I'm not. I think I'm not. Good, good idea. I think I'm not. We're joined now by another friend of the podcast.
6: Uh, is uh, is Jr.
0: Also, uh, the R stands for rocket.
6: Rocket, Oh. Warm thank Kessel. You. Hi, hi, JR. How you doing? Oh, man, this is such a privilege and an honor to be not only here at AirVenture Oshkosh, but to also be up here on the announcer's Oh, it's very kind of
0: you. This is a cool place to watch the airplanes in the morning. Um, it's a little bit warm, but uh, it
6: is a cool place to be. How are you doing? How's the week for you? Jeff? you have fun? Oh, it has been absolutely fantastic, fantastic. I have seen so many things. Um, before before I get down that road, though, I want to take a, a special moment and give a shout out to the mechanics, the mechanics who keep these airplanes flying, the people who work through the night fixing fixing the the gear, fixing the parts, making sure that they're just really ready to go. And these guys take such pride, and they yeah. deserve a, a special special yeah, special yeah, shout yeah, out. Absolutely,
0: yeah. here here, couldn't agree more. Um, and and uh, disclaimer: you are in fact a mechanic.
6: I, I am. I'm, yeah, I'm a, a I'm
0: mechanic a, and a CFI uh, and a pilot uh, and. Uh, 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 I was going to make a bad
6: joke. You know, you no, know, you,
0: are, you are quite the experienced uh, aviation person. And, I, was,
6: um, I was looking back at the beginning of, of UCAP, and I believe it was 2006. You, and, and that's about right about when I got my private pilot's license. And, and I listened to UCAP, and I got my instrument rating, and I got my commercial rating, and I got my flight instructor, and my flight instructor for my glider, and my a and and my IA, and uh, all of my other ratings. You're one of those people. Right? I <laughs> really am. But, but, you know, I've had UCAP urging me on, pushing me on. This whole time, and I and I think that that's an important thing to to recognize, and I think that your listeners out there should know that you know if you're thinking about hey, I really want to get that license, I really want to go and do that thing, get involved, read the books, go find your local EAA chapter, go find your local CAP chapter, go find someone and get involved and do it. And once you're, once you're involved, you're going to find it's so much easier to take that next step. And once you take that next step, then you take the step after that, and, and all of a sudden you're an inspector and you're looking around like, man,
0: what airplane do I want to build on next?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, made the, I made the mistake, which turned out not to be a mistake, but at the time I was uncertain of, uh, while we were sitting around the campfire the other day, of asking JR to give me the ground portion of my BFR, which is due soon. And... Uh, and uh, and he and he did, all right. Uh, <laughs> he and Jeb like pretty much just ganged up and beat the living or the informational crap out of me. No, right? no, that's no.
6: Not no. That's not that's not fair. You you know, I have I have my one question. It's my favorite question and I'll share it with your audience. Okay. Is that you, you taxi out to the to the flight line and you you, you bring the engine up to the, the two thousand RPMs or so, whatever the manual specifies, and you grab the key and you go from both to left and the RPM drops. And the first question I like to ask is, well, why does that drop? And that question will lead you through about an hour and a half.
0: Literally, <laughs> yes. At, for an hour and a half of, of quizzing me and, quite frankly, all kidding aside, um, teaching me a, a, some, a few things. I, I, I felt like I did okay.
6: You did really well.
0: Um, but there were some things I learned that I didn't realize or some things that clar- were clarified for me. And uh, it was an interesting hour and a half, but I, so I was sweating a little bit in there. <laughs> it was uh, it was a thing. It's and, it's a, indeed. and you Are were you? kind enough to sign my logbook for me. Oh, so well, I, I really appreciate I, that. that I'm great. so
6: happy to sign you. What I will tell your listeners is that you know when you have that hour in with the flight instructor, ask questions that you never asked, the things that you never understood, the things that you never quite got your your hands around, and 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 take that and extract that value because they're there to help you, and you know we can't read your mind and we'll we'll probe you here and there and say hey how about this what about that show me this but but if you could say hey you know I never really mastered those steep turns or I didn't really understand why an airplane stalls. Mm-hmm. Get yep. that information, and that, that's why the FAA does it it's yep. for, for you guys. Well, there's a way
3: if you're, if you're a little allergic, if you're poor at chest taking and, and quizzes and
6: all that, you can bypass the BFR by adding a rating. Yeah, you sure can. I i have done that many times. I, I've done that myself <laughs> and found it really useful because I learned new stuff
3: and there was still training involved and still working with cfi picking up new points new tips and then something
6: new that i can do with the airplane it's always it's always fun to have to have that skill set pushed just a little bit, you know, stretched a little bit beyond. Uh-huh. The other thing that, you know, that, that may be difficult for your, some of your early listeners, your early pilot listeners to understand that, you know, the reason we break this stuff up is we're trying to make it not so hard. You know, we, the single engine, let's get you flying. And then and we'll add you the multi-engine. We'll teach you about some of the the strange characteristics of those aircraft. You go fly a glider and, hey, that's a whole different experience. And we kind of, you know, segment it up and make it, it bites that your people can... But take take a bite out and digest right. in, a, in a in a reasonable fashion, and yeah. it's really valuable.
0: Yeah. By the way, for the CFIs who are listening and and perhaps grimacing at their their iPods right now, um, we we are, are maybe you guys have figured this out since then, but at the time we started this whole grilling, it was unclear to us whether or not uh, uh, your BFR ground portion can be done by the uh, the different CFI than the air portion. We were unclear as to whether one person had to do both, and so. I may need to redo the ground later on, but uh, we'll. Uh, you, you can't know. learn too much. But it's in my book, but and I learned y- these things. I learned, and y- you uh, can so always come and fly with me. I'll, I could come and fly I'll, with you. You're yeah, a little yeah. bit far away from my home airport. But. Well. yeah,
3: but you get to California on work, so yeah. But I, you know. <laughs>
0: Dave, Dave's gonna have a great big stretch there while he's telling his story. It got really quiet here. What's going on? It's just, maybe just all the departures are cleared out, and you uh, that, or they're it's getting ready. Is Fifi getting ready to land? Is Fifi getting ready? Are you looking mm-hmm. at this, everybody keeping mm-hmm. an eye on the sky here? Um JR what you uh, what have you what have you seen this week anything in particular stand out for I, you
6: I have had so much fun I have seen so many things um I I made a little list here because you prepped me earlier. I said, you know, bring some things. Yeah. The blue. I never make lists gesturing Uh, to uh, my two pages worth of (laughs) notes here. The rocket ship. I don't know if you guys talked about the rocket ship already. The blue. The The blue blue, orange. uh, Yeah,
0: Mike Morgan talked about it. He actually had a chance to uh, uh, get up close and personal with it. And, uh, James, did you get a chance to look at the rocket ship? I did. I got a chance to go on board and
4: and, uh, take a suborbital flight, so to speak. (laughs) Simulate it all. But, yes, inside.
0: You know that wasn't real, James, right? That was just pretend. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry to burst your bubble there. <laughs> All right. What was that like, really? is, that, uh, is it? Uh, it's a simulation of some sort.
4: It's a simulation. It's showing you what happened. But it's incredible because it is rather close. I mean, this the booster that's there has been to space and back five times. Uh-huh. It is scorched because on the last flight, they had a capsule, the tourist capsule, on board, or one of the prototypes. And they wanted to test the escape system, so they blasted that off. And that is what has seared the
0: side of that booster rocket. Yeah, it's definitely scorched. It's a, it's an interesting thing. For anybody who's keeping score at home, uh, Blue Origin is the project of so this like competing celebrity yeah. technology projects. Every a lot of people are familiar with uh, Elon Musk's mm-hmm. um, um, what's it called X. Oh, now I'm blanking. Space, SpaceX. 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 Um, and now Blue Origins is uh, is uh, uh, being driven by Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Ooh, by the way. Uh, was here the other day oh was he really
4: and uh over at air venture today
0: i called to try to get an interview stan what? lee <laughs> just took all of his thunder and uh, you know but uh, jeff of course uh, of quiet. amazon who was uh, this well, past was, week for like two days the richest man in the world uh, and, and, then then in fact, g- <laughs> and then it fell out again I don't, i've never seen them
3: keep track of this on such a granular basis it's like, oh we've got sir richard uh, Branson. Uh, with, uh, Was he here too? No, but um, we, we, oh, we're, we're talking, talking about, about celebrity uh, supporters to.
0: of aviation and aeronautics. Well, and the, the space tourism.
3: Oh yes, of yeah. course. Yep, Space tourism, uh, which, I don't know, maybe it's just me being an aviation junkie, but I would expect space tourism to help drive a few more people down to this level uh, and uh, bring us more people into aviation because once they've sampled that they go you know i could do this in the atmosphere
4: and and by the way this blue origin it is uh this system of it is the new shepherd and that is s-h-e-p-a-r-d as in allen shepherd and now they are developing the new glen which will offer orbital tourist flights whoa so a lot of, a lot to look forward to in coming years.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll never have the budget to sign up for that one. <laughs>
0: Apparently but, Media
4: but, Flight? <laughs> but if media flight, I say,
3: but if they're interested in a media flight a uh, writer, photographer, uh I think I'm still young enough to take the Gs. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently,
0: Buzz Aldrin signed up Stan Lee to go to
3: Mars the other day. So uh, that's that's all
0: said. And uh, seriously, Stan Lee... There's got to be another comic book character in that one. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, one of the uh, AeroShell Honda uh, uh, T6s just powered up and is taxiing out in front of us here and uh, probably going to take somebody for a meteor ride. Although I don't see anybody in the back seat. So nobody's going out on the runway. So he's going someplace somehow, some way.
3: Well, it, has, it, it has just gone from... Non stop and bumper to, to, you know, to try this again, David. <laughs> stop, nose cone to tail, tail cone <laughs> to. Almost nothing here. It's
0: really gotten very quiet. It's almost spooky. It's like, I
4: think we've seen the morning departures, the folks who would like to stay but had to go home, and now everybody else is sticking around. And they've all cleared out.
0: Around. I'm looking down to see whether or not there's activity on 927. I think I saw an aircraft roll by just a moment ago. So
3: Yeah, there's a little over there, and there's a little still going on here. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, got a float plane getting ready to go out on 18 <laughs> 8 Amphib. Uh, uh, air cam. Yeah.
6: Oh, the air cam. Oh, my lovely air cam.
0: That's right. You were you were oh. kind of lusting after this air cam at the ultralight ultralight place last night. You want to buy one of these? You want to? F-
6: uh, I absolutely. You know, we we were. I think on one of your dailies, you we were talking about uh, changing uh, if you had to swap one of your airplanes. And I was thinking, boy, I would buy myself an air cam. I, I own. A what about of, it?
0: Uh, it? Do, what, what
6: appeals? Oh, just the fact that it's low and slow, out in, the, out in the breeze, twin engines, just something that I haven't done yet. So having an opportunity to fly something it's just a little bit... great of, for chasing it's alligators right. in Florida Lake. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there are... I'm sorry. You about to uh, uh, another thought, real quickly. Uh, just really quickly, I wanted to give one more quick shout out to my friends at the Civil Air Patrol. I've been watching the cadets and the and the people going up and down the flight lines, keeping everyone safe. And I really wanted to make sure that we you know, that someone acknowledged them and say, "Hey, you know, you guys are doing yeah. a fantastic job." A plug for your squadron. What's your squadron? I'm a Squadron uh, uh, 13 out of uh, out of Watsonville, California. That's and, great. Yep, and and real
0: quickly, your website. People, you've got a lot of interesting interviews and, and stuff on that website oh, of aviation stuff.
6: Yeah, fantastic. An aviation story. So just type in aviationstory dot com onto your browser, or look at aviation story in Google and please feel free to uh, download and enjoy uh, some fantastic episodes on all sorts of different aviation topics. There you go.
0: we got a few more minutes to go before we have to give up this wonderful uh, viewpoint of uh, AirVenture 2017. Uh, but we are going to take a break now. We'll be back with one more good friend uh, who will be joining us uh, for the last segment here. But in the meantime, you're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio.
2: Hi, I'm Sean D. Tucker, chairman of EAA's Young Eagles program. It's AirVenture 2017. We'll see you
5: in the sky. Dave Higdon is practicing his new job as air show announcer. They're using him at the end. <laughs> That's all, folks. Back now with more uncontrolled airspace on EAA Radio.
0: Clearly Mike has been spending, he has too much spare time, I guess is what it boils
3: down to. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. <Yeah. laughs>
0: well, there we go. There's another
3: one right there. <laughs>
0: Uh, One of the things that I want to uh, say that I enjoyed a lot here this week at at AirVenture 2017 was Thursday night when we all got together with about 100 of our listeners uh, for the uh, annual tie-down party, the UCAP tie-down party and uh it was just a blast I, I it is so much fun uh i so enjoy uh getting out there and uh, and and visiting with those listeners and, and 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 drinking a couple of beers and
3: eating some cheesy poofs and watching the airplanes you know and it's so gratifying uh every year since we started this i've met new people from different parts of the world who have been listening to us you know for undetermined amounts of time uh, every year since we've been doing this have met old friends there who have come by to see us and it's really gratifying to hear from the folks that listen to us that fulfill our reason for being because you know if they weren't listening we wouldn't be doing this and well, Jeb and I lost our bet that this would only last six weeks. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's time for a new bet. I lost that bet a long um, time ago.
3: In addition to thanking the uh, listeners who came
0: out to visit with us and say hi, um, I, I want to thank, we we're, we're, once upon a time it was me with maybe one helper trying to put this party together, and that's long ago because uh, we got some great help putting that party together every year. Um, and so I just want to publicly say, and I've tweeted this out already, but I want to publicly thank, um, the, there were particularly four people who uh, were helping with, the setup and the purchasing and the uh, the shopping and the cleanup, um, and that would be uh, uh, Dan and uh, Sue Comanche Sue uh, and Doug, and uh, Jim G uh, is were, were were instrumental in making that party happen. I had to do almost nothing this year except be there and drink beer. All right, and so it doesn't get a lot better than that. And as a matter of fact, Jim G is standing right here.
1: How you doing, Jim? I'm having a great time. You know, once again, Jack, you've stolen my thunder and screwed up my. <laughs> oh, you wanted to thank. I had well, I had it on my list for number six and you put it up there as number one in this segment and I you know whatever we try to do you always foul uh, it up there, I, Jack. I will
0: mess it up but uh, I'm not ashamed I wanted to thank these
1: people it's very yeah. very very appreciated thank you and it is a great time and we love having that party because we get to see the folks that we only know we only have in common with them that we all listen to the uncontrolled airspace podcast and we see them once a year and uh, and I know it's humbling for you is amazing to me that all these people want to listen to you (laughs) And, well,
3: and, and, and you being one of them, it makes it even more amazing.
1: I, I thought there were two listeners until we had the first hi. Uh, yeah, you're making that up. Yeah,
0: you all were right. one of the very, very earliest people. You were one of the very first people who came up and said hi to us at that first uh, Oshkosh after we started that yep. thing. Uh, yep. And uh, and it was uh, it was and we were all kind of a little freaked out by the fact that anybody came and said hi to us. Uh, but uh, they did. You did. And uh, and it's it's very cool. Anyways, enough of that. All right. What's been the week? What, what's been the week like? Take these words and put them in some sort of order, um, and uh, in the form of a question. Oh, whoa! How's the week been for you? But in the meantime, this is Nessie all week long. Twenty-two, thirty-five.
2: Twenty-two or 35?
1: Uh, thirty-five? Thirty-five, I'd say.
3: Now the EA radio guys are, are, are saying twenty-two. I, I was going to say it doesn't have that single nozzle of the thirty-five, very, so it's got to be a twenty-two. A very cool, powerful sinister, almost, looking
0: fighter plane is being pulled out uh, on the taxi right here. And, uh, and yeah, this is... It's interesting. It has very minimal markings. I guess I've never seen it up close like this uh, before. The markings are there, but they're stealthy. You can barely read them. Uh, they're, they're optically stealthy. I knew that it was supposed to be radar stealthy, but it never occurred to me that it would be optically stealthy as well. It's almost like it's brushed aluminum. Um, I, I'm guessing it's not aluminum, but uh, um, it almost looks like brushed aluminum um, and brushed unevenly, like somebody did a bad job polishing <laughs> their airplane. Um, and I guess that helps with making it visually
3: hard to see as well and, uh, and they are visually hard to see yeah
2: uh,
3: it's uh, that's one of the uh, aeroshell t6's taken off right in front of us here yeah. and uh, the b2 have uh, had it called out to me as traffic uh, going through western missouri near where they're based and the controller said okay you have a uh, have a b2 three o'clock ten miles your altitude. I'm like, Seriously? Not, <laughs> I'm not seeing anything. And then the airplane rolled. And when it rolled, and once you saw the form, yeah. I couldn't see it at all until it rolled. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it made me think. Just how fortunate it is that I don't have to worry about ever being on the receiving end of a oh, B-2. Yeah, oh, yeah, nope, that nope. too.
1: You don't want to see it from the front. That too. Coming at you. Jim, what yes, stood sir? out
0: for you this week? What, what have you? What's uh, particularly interesting uh, that uh, well, I don't happened have as, this
1: week? I don't have as much of a list as you guys do because I spent most of my week in Exhibit Hangar B.
0: That's right. You are, you are very active, and, and in fact, we're here this week uh, uh, representing and, and, and telling people about that other flying down yep. the road. Yes, yeah, the, the Sun
1: and Fun International Flying and Expo in Lakeland, Florida, and I'm a, a Sun and Fun volunteer, as are many, many people. So I volunteered to help out in the booth this year. So I spent my, my week in exhibit hanger. See, <laughs> Jim, 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 who's, whose EA radio name is going to be Booth Babe? That's booth what, Babe, that's, that's me. You're, <laughs> you're, you're going to be Booth Babe. Um, but uh but I did want to talk uh, mention about ADS-B for a sec cuz sure. that's one thing that I did do this week. Uh, the deadline is looming and I've got <clears throat> uh, an aircraft that I need to equip. And you may have talked about this with Rick Perry, but I can't couldn't hear it over at the other side of the deck. I understand. But I'm I'm at the opposite end from him. I'm a consumer and it's I was out shopping cool. and there've been a number of new tiny little ADS-B packages and um what's in what's the most interesting thing to note I think is that The uh, prices have come way down. People thought this would be a disaster for general aviation, but we found this week a bunch of things under $1,500, a bunch of different options that you could get. Some are for experimentals, but others are for certified airplanes, and there are different configurations. So the market is there, and the electronics industry is responding. So I bought a a $1,300 package the size of a pack of cigarettes, and uh, this is for my light sport trike, which is essentially for those who have never seen one, a motorcycle. So there's not a lot of room in there, Mm -hmm. but something this the uh, deck of playing cards will fit and so that'll work for me
0: yeah nice they're rolling another fighter plane out here on the uh, west ramp taxiway which is just to our our left looking out at the uh, airport and uh, just to the north of this location Um, and and they're rolling this thing out and and everybody here is like gesturing to me what 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 model aircraft it is because they just they, they all no one has any faith in me being able to identify these airplanes, I,
1: I don't know what it is,
0: and I'm not. I think they were gesturing 16. Is this an F-16? I believe that's a 15. Oh, we think it's a 15. Okay, yeah. it's a 15. And, yes, uh, folks,
1: this is not the Warbird Podcast. You can yeah, tell. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're we should get
3: we should get uh, we should get uh, uh, Fred over here sometime to, to
1: it's,
0: it's give us.
3: It's got drop tanks on it, yep. and uh, uh, in the uh, current Air Force standard gray. Yep, a beautiful airplane.
0: And uh, give you some con- give you a, 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 the range of airplanes here. Uh, just beyond this F-15, we see landing the four, the trimotor, four trimotor, right. I believe it is. And uh, so uh, while, while we're on the while we're on, oh, go ahead, Dave. Yep.
1: While we're on the warbirds. I wanted to shout out about the B-52. I don't know if you mentioned that earlier. You may have.
0: Not in this episode, but earlier in the week we talked a little bit about the B-52. They call it an ugly airplane. It is not ugly. It is not not ugly. ugly. It is not ugly.
1: You know, the the 22 and the 35 get out here every day and make a lot of noise and impress the crowd with noise, right? The B-52, it's a loud airplane, but not that kind of a noisemaker. But it's very graceful. It's an amazingly large And as it comes down the flight line at low and slow, it's just a very impressive sight. And how often do we see the B-52s flying around at our home airport, not mine? Uh, so that was that was a lot of yeah. fun to see. Yeah.
4: May I add a shout out to the B one and the afterburner display it put on here earlier in the week? That was pretty
0: awesome as
3: well. Yep. So. Setting off yep. car alarms, <laughs> in, <laughs> exactly
0: in Camp Schaller. They yeah, really were. <laughs> they really were. Hey, unfortunately, we are reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, I, uh, what's next for you, David? What's where are you going?
3: Uh, back to Wichita. Yeah, you're heading out pretty quickly after this is over. Yeah, and cars yeah. locked and loaded, and yep. uh, got. Pretty much a full tank of gas. Uh, may st- stop on my way out of here and pick up a candy bar at a convenience store, uh, and uh, then tomorrow it's back to the back to the normal world. Back to the mines. I got work to do. Out of here. Got to pick up the dog and the mail and. Re- Unfortunately, resumed to life as a normal human being. I know, huh? Got to go back to the real world. Um, I'm going to be here a couple
0: more hours. Um, I'm not in quite the same time stra- uh, re- restriction, but uh, I'm going to be head out in a couple hours. I got. I'm going to go. I've still got a hanger, dude. I haven't done the A hanger yet, so I got to go to the exhibit hanger, and I'm going to go make one last pass through my beloved fly market. I love the fly market, and so buy some more doodads over there. Um, but I got a few more things to do. Um, but we do have to thank some people. Did you, other than that, what do you
1: want to say, David? On my way home, I'm going to be listening to this episode because I can't hear the whole thing up here I know it's hard to hear up here <laughs> hey thanks for everybody for listening Yep, absolutely. And thank you to
0: everybody who joined us today. Uh, thank you to uh, Rick Perry of AEA for taking some time to come out. And, and, uh, and you know, we're all, we already know privatization is a bad idea, but it, he gave us another interesting perspective and yet another batch of reasons why that's just a bad thing and why we should all be talking to our, our legislators. Um, thanks to uh, JR, the R's for Rocket, uh, for coming out here and uh, talking with us and, and telling us some of his uh, aviation stories. Mike Morgan, who had to take off, but uh, Mike, and, and uh, even though he creates all these weird bumper things for us, we, we <laughs> We, we do love him so uh, we thank him for taking some time and talking with us uh, thank you to uh, Jim G uh, who took a few minutes here to talk with us You're and, welcome uh, glad to be here that's great um, a big thank you to everybody from EA Radio for helping us out with this for getting us up here on the deck and uh, for uh, uh, just making this possible um, particularly thank you to Tommy and Jim the, ta- the chairman of EA Radio and uh, our engineers here on the uh, on the uh, deck overlooking is, uh, is Kevin and Brent and Ryan thank you guys we really appreciate your help Hey, Jeb, we miss you. Sorry you're not here, but uh, you thanks, missed
3: out. Thanks to James Winbrandt. Yeah,
0: thank you to James Winnbrandt. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Dave Higdon. That's me. I, I'm Jack Hodgson. Dave, was something you wanted to say to us? All the folks flying out of here,
3: they're going to live longer than the ones driving home because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. <laughs> that's right, and that's enough talking. Let's go fly in.